everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 105th episode of the podcast, airing December 21st, 2020. And I wish a happy solstice to all. Now, I'm delighted to present to you my discussion with Spencer Michaud, who will join me in conversation on Capricorn, aka Solstice Season 2020. And so Spencer and I are going to discuss this year's dynamic solstice as Capricorn season not only brings the light of the returning sun, or at least here in the northern hemisphere, but also marks the grand conjunction of Jupiter meeting Saturn at the threshold of Aquarius. Now, we talk about the archetypal symbolism of Capricorn and Saturn while also peppering in tarot and fixed star correspondences along the way. And we do our best to balance words of solemnity with words of hope as we do a play-by-play of the aspects that reign during this 30-day period. And so the cardinal wheel pivots once more. So, you know, get prepared to shift gears. All right. So a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar. Or you can book a consultation with yours truly, all of which can be done at my website, energeticprinciples.com. Now, as you may have heard in previous episodes, uh, my Astrology Basics 201 course on prediction is open for registration. So uh, it's fabulous. We already have a nice group forming here. And it will be a limited group. You know, there's only be so many people that we, you know, because we want to keep it close and intimate. So if that is something that you are interested in, it is now uh open for registration. Now, this is going to be a six-week live Zoom course. Uh, So we will be doing sessions live, and they will be three hours each time. And it will start on January 13th, right after our Capricorn New Moon, which you'll hear all about in this podcast. Um, And it will go for six consecutive weeks on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time, or Thursday, 11 a.m. on Sydney time zone. And this class does welcome all intermediate students, so you're going to want to know a little bit about astrology before getting in there, but also for advanced as well, because you can always learn from other people with different techniques. And so this is all about expanding your prediction toolkit. Um, And so we're going to be looking at planetary transits, perfections, secondary progressions, and most importantly, how to develop a synthesized blend of these techniques so that you can get the most important, uh, you know, information when you are working either with your own chart or if you plan to or already do client work. So that course will be $300 for the session. And you don't have to be there live. It will be pre, uh, not pre-recorded, but it will be recorded and released afterwards. Um, But the live experience is kind of the best part of it. So to find out more about that or to sign up, you can go to learningthestars.com or you can visit my website or social media at Energetic Principles for direct links. Uh, So hope you can make it. And if you know of anybody who could be interested in this course or, uh, you know, want to take their prediction, uh, you know, tools further, spread the good word. All right. So who is ready to hear all about Capricorn solstice season? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right. I'm so happy to welcome back to the podcast. We have Spencer Michaud with us. Thank you for joining me again, Spencer. Hey, thank you, Mel. I'm pleased to be here. 
we had a grand old time back in what episode did we do? We did a seasonal. It was it wasn't oh, Gemini? Pisces. We did Pisces. Pisces. It was that long ago. We did right before the pandemic hit. The Pisces oh my season. god! <laughs> interesting, interesting. Yeah. Well, we are back again uh, for this pivotal Capricorn solstice season of 2020. The the last final throws of 2020. Um, but you know they aren't done yet because a lot of us astrologers have been talking about uh, Capricorn season and in specific the actual solstice itself, which is such a big day. And of course, Spencer and I are going to get into what that means. Uh, ironically enough, this podcast is going to be released on the solstice too. So hopefully you're listening to this around the day it comes out and you can feel the energies uh, that are at play. But before we get into all the juicy details of Capricorn season, Spencer, uh, for those who have not heard of you before, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, yes, I, I have somewhat of a similar origin story uh, to you. I think uh, we were p- musicians and uh, heard heard the calling from the stars. And um, you know, I've been studying astrology for a few decades, but I, I really started taking it seriously about about three years ago, and been studying um, with a guy named Achuta Bhavadas uh, and his Nightlight Astrology program. Um, Got a full full scholarship to UAC in 2018, and got to meet a lot of the astrological community, and uh, just kind of you know started transitioning into a professional astrology career. I've been taking clients for the last year or so, and I've been doing a a, um, a weekly forecast that doubles as kind of a an outlet for the things that I'm studying and helping to educate people on astrology. Um, over at Spencer Michaud Astrology, which is on YouTube and Instagram and all of those things. And uh, yeah, just, uh, just study, study, study. I, I'm an eternal student mm-hmm. and um, just uh, trying to learn, learn about, about how things are going in the sky and, and bring some wisdom to myself and to the world. I love it. Um, and of course, I'll share all those links where you can find Spencer because he has quite the material out there. Um, it's I feel I have a fellow Saturn in Virgo here uh, with me oh, here yeah. today. <laughs> and aren't we just so detailed? Don't we just detailed. love? Mm, yes. Just right. love to get in there. Uh, my, my podcasts keep getting longer and longer because I keep adding more details. So it's I, sometimes we have to figure out when when to say when. But but yes, detailed uh, forecast is the way to go. Yeah. Well, and you can learn so much uh, by what Spencer has to offer there. And he does take a, a tra- more of a traditional perspective with mm-hmm. astrology. As you know, that this podcast is somewhat centered around, not entirely, but definitely is heavy in that. Uh, so we share those same um, approaches. Uh, mm-hmm. So definitely check Spencer out. But today we have him here on my program, which is very exciting because we are talking about Capricorn solstice season. Uh, and woo, uh, we are, what, are, what are we doing this um, exact... Let me... Let's see, let's see, let's see. I always like to look at the chart, even though I don't really talk about it on the program. Let's see what's going on here. Even though Spencer's over in Michigan, so we have slightly different charts happening. Uh, but, oh, ironically enough, the moon is at seven degrees of Aquarius. Saturn has just moved into Aquarius as we record this, which we're going to talk about here a little bit. Um, and basically the moon is just coming off of a square with Uranus. Uh, 
while Mercury and Sag is about to conjunct the sun um, in, well, obviously Sagittarius. So sun and Mercury are riding high in Sag. And we're going to talk this out, aren't we? We're going <laughs> to... We're going to see what we can do. It's, it's a pretty big shift we're about to experience here. So yeah, I'm excited, nervous, but also uh, hopeful. I, I think uh, this is the return of hope, I think, on some level. Well, Aquarius is associated with the star card. Um, and so there is that kind of inspirational quality, even with all we, we have is the guiding light <laughs> yeah, off, off in the distance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's another thing I love about Spencer is he takes a, a car, a tarot approach to astrology like I do as well. So we'll have definitely some tarot peppered into this conversation. Oh, for sure. It's, it's um, so- so illuminating for sure. Yes, it is. It is. I and mean, you know, maybe that's because we're both cancers. You know, we like the uh, visual aspect of things too, you know, kind of wrap our heads around visual symbolism, which is very much a uh, part of what the tarot has to offer. So having mm-hmm. that combined with astrology can be very rich in what, um, you know, doors it can open for the imagination. Well, I'll tell you one thing with that is, I, have you read the, um, there's a book called The Moment of Astrology. Have you heard of this book? I don't think so. It's by this guy named Jeffrey Cornelius. And he makes the argument that astrology is is divinatory in nature, you know, rather than maybe completely rooted in time, which I thought was, it's 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 really kind of a mind mind bender, but he really compares it to an oracle that is very similar to things like tarot and that we're communicating with like a guiding spirit or a daimon when we're using astrology. And, you know, it's, so it's just really fascinating to see the kind of correlation with these different divinatory systems and how they can kind of Mm. match up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And well, and I've been doing a lot of Brotherhood of Light stuff recently and taking courses uh, there for my own interest. Um, And one of the things they talk about is the, you know, the keys uh, to Solomon's temple and the gold and the silver key. And the the gold is the key of astrology and the stars and the silver is the the tarot, basically. And so they've always kind of been interlinked in in ways to one another. um, And you know, the stars take, take the gold, you know, the ultimate alchemical metal there. Um, but because of that gold, you know, the silver can feed off of the stars to create its system, um, of divination with tarot. So I think they're really interlinked together. Um, and hopefully we'll do more programs and, uh, courses in the future that have to do with pairing these up because it is so rich in what you can gain um, by using both of these systems. Well, and hopefully Austin Kopic will release the second edition of his book so everyone else can... I know, I've been waiting <laughs> for like years. It was so funny because I ordered that book on Amazon literally as it sold out. And so a couple of weeks went by and I was like, where's this book? And yeah. then I just happened to be like, just a second, like a hair too late. And oh. now years have gone on. I'm like, Austin, just oh. make the well, book happen. I, I ordered it right as it was going out of stock. And I, I did happen to get one of the... Did you copies. snag me? Was that you, Spencer? It was it you? Me. I it want my copy. <laughs> and I'm happy to, share, happy to share the wisdom. Oh, beautiful. All right. Well, let's just talk a little bit about Capricorn season in general, just Capricorn energy. Um, I know, Spencer, didn't you say that you have a little maybe Capricorn story you could tell us or? Yeah. So, you know, there's a number of things to talk about with Capricorn in general. 
I think the first thing to understand with uh, Capricorn season is it's um, the planetary host of this sign is Saturn. And it is, it, we have to really understand Saturn, just like when we were talking about Pisces, we had to understand Jupiter in, in that system before. And um, so Saturn uh, has a lot of different qualities to it. In the tradition, um, there's a qualities of exile, of being cast out, and of kind of having this kind of experience of darkness. If It's the opposite of the sun in the Thema Mundi, which was a, a kind of a theoretical natal chart of the world. So if we had the sun as the light of the mind or the, a sense of purpose or a sense of selection, uh, a lot of these, these themes I, I've been learning from listening to a really great astrologer named Robert Schmidt, who is one of the founders of Project Hindsight. And he talks about the quality of Saturn as, as exile, deprivation, um, those kind of qualities of ignorance. Uh, it was also said that Kronos was married to Ananke, and Ananke was uh, a force that compels us to, to do things. So Kronos was time, mm-hmm. and Ananke was that compelling force. And, and together they were squeezing the world egg and causing it to, to spin. So there is this kind of um, experience of being bound to something. Uh, I, I, th- I think uh, my experience of Saturn is that it shows us maybe a blind spot that we may have in, a, in society or in our own charts. And I like to think of the chart as being uh, not necessarily who we are, but like maybe some of the circumstances we're presented with. And like you said, with some of those keys, it can show us the way to unlock some of the circumstances in our life as well. So I, really the way I've been thinking about Saturn is that it may show us a blind spot or a weakness. It's, it may be a place that we're deprived of something, but through our quality of endurance, through our quality of time, through our quality of growing and maturation, we can bring it back into balance. So there's also kind of a, a word associated with Saturn called nemesis. And nemesis was the opposite of 2K, which is, translates to fortune. So we have these random distributions of fortune, good and bad fortune, that we experience as the wheel of life continues to spin. But, but Saturn plays the role of, of kind of restoring right proportion like Nemesis would. Okay, So through, um, and, and sometimes it's through punishment. There is like these ancient astrological themes of like, uh, you know, justice and, and restoring that through difficult kind of hard work. Um, but I think Saturn can be a gift. Uh, I think that when we we're shown some of the things that are, are difficult, we can choose to respond in a certain way. We can, we can choose to respond through the, the power of our soul and the power of our choice. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's something I've been talking about a lot in my forecast is that I don't think we can always avoid pain, but I think we choose to suffer. Right. And I think that if we, we, uh, acknowledge that some of those difficult things can happen in life, and then we start to use the power of our spirit to move forward. That's when we're really kind of, I think, getting to the core of, of how to respond to a Saturn kind of thing. And Saturn, a lot of times Saturn tells us no. It, it was talking about boundaries. It's the outermost sphere in the kind of traditional view of the cosmos and the cosmic sphere model, where they thought of it sort of as a geocentric model with the different planetary spheres surrounding the earth. And Saturn was the boundary. It was the boundary between the planetary spheres and the fixed stars and, and kind of those more divine laws that the fixed stars might 
uh, represent. Mm. Um, so it all begins with Saturn. And there's Saturn has stories of uh, succession and, and father archetypes too, as far as like um, one of the story of Kronos and, and his son, Jupiter, Zeus, uh, is that there was a um, there was a fear that both of them would be usurped. So Kronos took his his scythe, his big you know uh, his big like time sword, and he castrated his father Uranus or Uranus, mm-hmm. and his uh, seed fell into the ocean, and from that seed was born Aphrodite. So there there is this uh, this kind of like fear. He he also received a Kronos received this kind of um, prophecy from an oracle that he would be usurped by one of his children. So what he did is he started swallowing all of his kids and was like, oh, you're not going to usurp me. You're not going to dethrone me. And um, I think this is a really interesting story for Jupiter-Saturn too, because this is really helping us to get to the core of that Jupiter-Saturn myth. Um, because what we're experiencing with Jupiter-Saturn right now is the transition of, of power right? Because this, and basically the story goes, and I know I'm skipping ahead to this, but this helps us to understand Capricorn too. Um, So Jupiter was hidden away. Zeus was hidden away from Kronos by Rhea, his mother, the earth, and was uh, suckled by a a goat nymph uh, named, I believe it was Almathia. And so, and this is, Almathia was associated with Capricorn. So this was one story of the Capricorn origin story, right? So this was the goat nymph that, that suckled Zeus as he was being hidden away from his tyrannical father, Saturn or Kronos. And eventually when Zeus came to maturation, he returned as cupbearer, which is interesting for Aquarius because Aquarius mm. is the cupbearer, right? Mm-hmm. And he returned uh, and was able to serve Kronos this like poison that made him throw up or expel all of his children. So, yeah, and, and I guess going back, Rhea tricked Kronos by feeding him a stone instead of uh, one of the children. So he thought that he was eating Zeus, but it was actually this giant boulder. So Zeus was this liberator. So, so Jupiter becomes this liberator that is restoring order to the cosmos. And there's also stories with Zeus overcoming a great dragon, Typhon, or Tiamat in other traditions. So Zeus is this kind of um, stabilizer. He's, he's restoring order to the universe after, uh, you know, things have kind of gone off the rails a little bit. But it, one th- interesting thing about Saturn, though, is Saturn was said to be uh, presiding over a golden age in astrology. So there is some sort of yearning or or wishing for some past glory type of mm. time with Saturn significations too. And I, I, one other story with Capricorn that I think is really neat. And this is uh, the story of, of Precus. And Precus, P-R-I-C-U-S, was the father of the sea goats. And Precus was an immortal that was created by Kronos. And basically he was, he lived in the sea and he had all these offspring, but they kept uh, trying to to leave the ocean, and once they would leave the ocean, they would turn into regular goats, and they would lose the ability to think and to speak. And this was really upsetting to to Precus. And he tried to like save his children and convince them not to go. And he eventually 
he tried to turn back time mm. so that he wouldn't be alone because he kept being abandoned uh-huh. by all his other seagoats. So there's this Saturnian quality of abandonment with, with this story. And eventually he, he was alone. He could not convince his children to stay. He, even, even through turning back time, he couldn't, he couldn't uh, convince them to stay. And he was so sad by this. He felt so alone that he just petitioned his father, Kronos, to allow him to, to pass and to die because he was immortal. And eventually Kronos granted him this wish and, and cast him into the sky as the constellation Capricorn. So two, two interesting stories with Capricorn, right? So mm. I think it's really interesting as far as like this Saturn and Capricorn energy of wishing for the past and then being released from it and moving forward towards a, maybe a hopeful future as we move into this Aquarian type of energy that we're going to be seeing coming up. Mm. And over the last year, what have we heard? Uh, ad nauseum, you know, I don't know, make make America great again or something like this, this whole like kind of like yearning for past, right? Yeah. And this yearning for this, this uh, golden age that, that actually may or may not have existed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and throughout, uh, even through all of these efforts, you're not going to be able to turn back time to go back to some kind of experience that you had before, whether it's real or imagined. And, and we can, we can make a lot of arguments that somebody's glorious golden age past was suffering for someone else too. And I think that's something of a reckoning that we'll have to come to with uh, Aquarius coming into play as well. Mm, yes. that Because that's kind of the beauty of, I love all that, Spencer, by the way, everything that was shared. There's so much I could say about it all. Um, but that is something very important to take away from these last... Um, two plus years of Saturn and Capricorn um, and kind of that past glory that you speak of or trying to control uh, situations, um, uh, whether it's in our own lives or in, you know, kind of the worldly sphere to revisit something that has passed or to uh, hold on um, to preserve, you know, something that is, you know, basically run its course. And I think that is much of the uh, kind of the baton, uh, you know, handoff that is happening as Saturn moves into Aquarius and Jupiter, you know, they meet at zero degrees Aquarius to then have Jupiter race ahead, um, to kind of continue that leg of the journey. And so we are getting into the forward, uh, thinking and outward reaching, um, and innovative qualities of having to move forward and stabilize new structures. But there could be, um, you know, consequences along the way of that because of what maybe was done in the past, um, or, you know, cause there's already structures in place. So to move forward, there's just a, you know, we need new ideas. We need, minds need to shift. Um, we might find barriers within intellectual, um, you know, content or approaches that are just need to be leveled up in some way. And the thing I noticed about both of those stories with, of course, Saturn, uh, Kronos, uh, eating his children um, to avoid the prophecy, but also from our our other friend. What was his name again? Precus. 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 Um, 
trying to turn back time to get back these, you know, what yields dear is there's always this level of control that comes out with Saturn, you know, mm-hmm. trying to control, um, uh, situations. And we see in both of those, even though, you know, we're dealing with Kronos who we would think had have all the control, uh, is that you can't ultimately control anything because there's always going to be some sort of like, I don't know, stick in the spoke that is going to stop, uh, you know, stop that, um, or maybe the stick's not in the spoke because the wheel just keeps on turning no matter you want, if you want it to or not, you know? And Saturn deals with endings too. Saturn is yeah. that quality of coming to terms with that everything born must die and everything has a season. Uh, there was some uh, stories in ancient mythos about Capricorn being a gate of souls. So we had a, a, cancer, a Cancerian gate where souls would come in and incarnate and a Capricorn gate where they would leave the physical plane. Mm. And uh, it's just really, really interesting. Like, because, you know, Capricorn is a cardinal sign. And in the traditional system, they call that a tropical sign. And the word tropos means a turning. So we're having a a return of the light at that winter solstice. And it's when we've gotten to the very darkest point in the very darkest day of the year, and we're having that return to the light. Maybe it's the return of the soul back to the collective. You know, like Capricorn mm. could be thought of like like that too. Um, just a lot of really cool symbolism with return type of experience. And, and yeah, you can't hold on to it. You've, you've got to, that's what Saturn teaches us is that, you know, we, we, can't, we can't hold on to form forever. You know, it's the, it's the domicile of Saturn is Capricorn, the exaltation of Mars, right? But it's also the exile of the moon and the fall and the depression of Jupiter. Mm-hmm. And both the moon and Jupiter have to do with birth and expansion and abundance and, and growth. So Capricorn's a place where those, those two planets are having a, a difficult time sometimes because it is more about, about form leaving. Um, Austin Kavik does some really great work about these three decans of Capricorn too. Um, he talks a lot about the first decan of Capricorn being something where we're exploring new territory to build physically. He talks a lot about the earth signs being uh, where matter is descending into, or spirit is descending into matter. Now, that's a really interesting dichotomy because if we have a point where uh, Capricorn, where maybe the soul is leaving the body, there's, there's this kind of paradox with Capricorn with it being a gateway where think forms are leaving, but uh, potentially where we're actually still trying to build as well. So he talks about that first decan of Capricorn being trying to find territory to build in. Um, and then the second decan, uh, this is kind of a Capricorn story where we're trying to in- enact uh, a blueprint for our life, uh, where we're trying to build and, and gain assistance that we need to, to build whatever structures that we want to move t- uh, forward with in the future. And then in the third decan, it's about administrating that power. He calls that one the throne. So it's, it's about once we've built something, how do we govern? You know, and, and that's why a lot of the themes that we've seen at the end of this year, third decan Capricorn with Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter, has really brought a lot of attention to our hierarchical systems and government and how we're uh, dealing with those, those themes as a collective. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's so much concentration in that third decan of Capricorn. And we felt it. I mean, we started there with the Saturn-Pluto conjunction first thing in January um, of 2020. And we see, you know, how that unfolded, especially as Jupiter conjunct Pluto three times along the way. Um, And now that we have gained the lessons, I hope, of that, uh, you know, decan action, uh, we now have um, on the day of the solstice, Jupiter and Saturn conjunct at zero degrees Aquarius. And I do, I love, like you said, Spencer, the symbolism of kind of what this day really brings forth because at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, as you stated, this is the darkest night, right? It is the longest night, it, but it is the point where it can get no darker and the light does return. And it's so interesting to think the light returning on the day that we have this grand conjunction take place place um, in this birth of forward outreaching momentum of Aquarius. It really is dawning this new, once again, this kind of star configuration. I would be, if you're listening to this on the night of the solstice, you know, go outside and look at the stars because I think that maybe there's just some sort of something that could be seated within all of us uh, in a very inspirational uh, moment and pivot. Like you said, these tropical signs there, it is a turning of the wheel And when we think about Jupiter and Saturn meeting and Jupiter being the wheel to begin with, um, I love how you brought up the idea of nemesis and fortune, because essentially we have nemesis and fortune meeting together on on this day. Um, And that can have so many different creative, um, you know, uh, potencies that could come out of what that means. and so this is just a seeding point because we, we're going to talk a little bit more about Jupiter and Saturn uh, making this conjunction on this day. Um, but also the fact of this is starting a new age, this is starting a new 20-year cycle. We're not going to wake up on the solstice and bam, we're in Jupiter, Saturn, right. you know, Aquarius territory. I mean, we are, you know, how many people, I don't know about you, but I see like, so many social media posts of like, are, is this going to be the age of Aquarius? Are we in the age of Aquarius? And I'm like, we're, we're going to be in some Aquarius, but <laughs> yeah. you slow yeah. your roll, people. <laughs> this is going to take a while to get going here. Yeah, it, it's, that's an interesting uh, exploration. I, I have some thoughts on that. Um, so I, I do think that First of all, I agree with you 100% that people should go out and look at the sky and have that help inform their astrological practice. There's so much that you can glean from just understanding how the sun travels through the sky over the course of the year, Uh, the concept of light and dark. A lot of our astrology comes from the interplay of of light and dark and the relationship they have to one another. And uh, this is something I've been experimenting with. with, I have a... uh, a program called Starry Night Pro. So a lot of times when I will do a forecast, I will show people the constellations and what things look like in the sky. So even if you have a, in, live in a place with light pollution or something like that, getting one of these like star programs can be really enriching to your practice. So I, I wanted to, to say that because it's just given me a whole different understanding of astrology. Um, but what I'll say with uh, the, the ages, a lot of the age stuff is coming from a concept called procession, right? And procession is basically where you have a split 
between the tropical zodiac and the sidereal zodiac, which is based on the position of the constellations or where the stars are. And they are, they've been separating for a couple thousand years due to the wobble of the earth. So the, when we first started studying astrology, those two zodiacs were together. So there wasn't this like, you know, conflict between them. But as the ages precess, which means that the spring equinoxes are going to be happening uh, or rising, the sun will rise on the day of the spring equinox somewhere in, you know, March or something like that now. Uh, back in the day, it was, <clears throat> it's, it's changed over time with different calendars and whatnot. But the, the sun would rise on that day with a certain constellation. And over time, different, it's moved, that spring equinox point has moved into different constellations. And they thought of uh, certain constellations as gods. So when a certain constellation was rising, they would worship that particular uh, set of, I don't know, significations as a deity. So back in like Egyptian times, a lot of the summer solstice or the spring equinox, sorry, would, would happen when the sun was rising with Taurus, with the bull. And, and you can see as, as it precessed, we started to get into this age of, I guess you could call it an age of Aries or something like that, where they started worshiping the, the lamb. This is when we had the switch to like biblical significations mm. in the Old Testament, right? When they would say, do not worship the golden calf, you know, lay down with the lamb. So they were saying, don't, don't worship this old constellation in the sky. And as we processed into Pisces, that's when we had some of the New Testament type of thinking that was coming along. Um, and now, you know, we have not gotten to a point where the spring equinoxes have processed into the constellation of Aquarius. That's actually, a, you know, a few hundred years potentially away. But the way that ancient astrologers, and that, and that is more of a modern construct to the age of Aquarius, like well, maybe the last hundred years or so. But I will say this, we are starting a new paradigm for sure. The way that ancient astrologers um, measured like different zeitgeists or the way or different, uh, I guess, you know, consensus realities was through these Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions and was through what element they were happening in. Mm -hmm. So what we have that's so special about this Jupiter-Saturn conjunction is that for the first time in roughly 800 years or so, it's, uh, it's happening in, I believe, uh, it's, it's happening in air signs, okay? And that, that shift happens, that elemental shift happens every 200 to 250 years. So before this conjunction, and there was one anomaly in the early 80s where we had a, a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Libra that was like a preview, okay? We had Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions in Earth signs, and it was the Industrial Revolution. It was the, uh, it was the kind of the, uh, this worship of materialism, utilitarianism, mm -hmm. and where we, you know, some great things came out of it and some very exploitive things came out of it. We've been exploiting the Earth for such a long yes. time. We've been having wars over territory. Yes. Okay. And now we're moving into this air age where the, the territory we're going to be exploring and, and the, the, what, what we may be fighting over now is the mind, the, the, the rational functioning ideas. And air is, is much harder to contain. And you see this with like the internet, 
right? Like what happened in the early 80s? We had the, the advent of the personal computer. That was a preview of what we're going for, for in moving forward. And now we start uploading our consciousness into this like the cloud, literally mm-hmm. the cloud, <laughs> like, right? And, you know, but it's much harder to contain. That's, that's the, there, there, there are advantages and disadvantages to moving into a new element. I don't think it is some new glory age. I, I think that it is, uh, it's very different is what we'll say. And we, we always see that there are advantages and disadvantages of the time that we are living in. I think that's just the nature of time. Um, but I am excited because I do think that we've come to the end of functionality of this materialist worldview mm-hmm. and this like where we have the haves and the have nots. And we've come to the very, where that has become a completely dysfunctional way to run society and to run a world. And now we're, we're going to see probably some rebalancing of that as we move forward, um, I hope. And it's not going to happen overnight. These Jupiter-Saturn cycles, uh, they're 20-year cycles in the conjunction cycle. But I saw a really great lecture by Demetra George where she was talking about the mythology behind this. And she's like, well, we have the, the impetus that happens at the conjunction. But it takes 10 years to come to an opposition point of Jupiter and Saturn. So we have the new upstart, the new Zeus, trying to overthrow the old order. But there's conflict along the way. We have a conflict at the square. I believe that's the first quarter square is in 2025. And, and Saturn will be in Pisces and Jupiter will be in uh, Gemini. Okay, So this is where we see that first quarter square that's going to be happening. Um, so this is, you went backwards, but. Oh, I know. I just wanted to see when the last opposition <laughs> last was. We're, we're looking at a chart okay. for those of you who are just listening to us at the on okay. uh, audio. Um, yeah, the last time we had an opposition from the previous one was in 2014, right. um, which is interesting. So let's go to the, you're saying the square. Yeah. Um, whoa. Oh, it's seeing the rat, radix. Yeah, yeah, the main point with this is that, that these cycles take time. The new energy, the new, the liberation of Zeus takes time. But in the myth, they said that there was a 10-year war between the Olympians and the Titans, and that Saturn was a Titan. Zeus was an Olympian. And it, it, it mirrors the cycle of Jupiter and Saturn and that opposition. That, and here's why Demetra pointed this out, and it was such a good point. In traditional astrology, we don't just look at the aspect itself. We look at which planet is earlier in the zodiac. And that's said to be a a condition of overcoming. So that planet has power over the other one in the square. So we may still see the old order exerting its power over Jupiter at the first quarter square until it starts to get past the opposition. And then Jupiter is in the overcoming or the superior position. So that new thinking may be able to come into play after that opposition point. It doesn't mean we don't have work to do until the opposition. It just means that it may be, it's a transition. You know, if if we're thinking that, you know, on the stroke of midnight on the winter solstice that we're just going to be like, everything's going to be perfect again. That's that's pretty idealistic thinking. (laughs) Yeah. That's not how the world works. Um, it's going to be a challenge, and and it, there are going to be uh, conflicts that come up in in this journey. But I think it's the beginning of hope. It's the beginning of those ideas 
like you said, being seeded. It's the, it's the new moon, quote unquote, of that Jupiter-Saturn cycle where we're planting these new ideas. And then we're going to have to do the hard work, excuse me, to bring those things to fruition, okay? And to bring those things to reality, to bring equality, to bring justice, to bring fairness. And we really have to examine that first decade of, of Aquarius to really figure out what we're seeding. And Austin Coppock calls this the mark of exile. And if we had um, the Capricorn being kind of like, think of Capricorn as like Kronos that swallowed all, is swallowing the children. It's like the inside, like everybody's inside the wall or the boundary of Kronos. And think of the, I think the Aquarius thing, you can almost think about it as after Kronos has expelled the children. Okay. So it's everything that's on the fringe. It's everything that's on the boundary. It's everything that's outside of the wall. So we have an awareness in the first decan or the first 10 degrees of, Cap- of, of Aquarius, sorry, where we are um, both simultaneously aware of those that have been cast out and we're going to have to bring stability to that. So Saturn is going to show us where we are maybe mistreating the outcasts in life, the exiles, the people on the fringes of society, the ones that are not selected like the sun, the, the ones that aren't kings, basically, the peasants. Yeah, I don't know if you even could call it that, but the, we're using the, the medieval terminology, right? Yes. And if we modernize it, it could just be the, the people, the masses, you know, like the people that aren't uh, overly wealthy or do not have power or have been marginalized over time, right? Have been outcast in society. And Saturn is going to show us where, you know, there needs to be rebalancing that shows us where our ignorance is. But the good news is, is that Jupiter is trying to stabilize and bring uh, stability, new order to that part of society. So I really do, I have hope that Jupiter is going to be able, or Zeus is going to be able to bring abundance to the more marginalized uh, uh, sections of society, to the more marginalized people of society. And through our ability to think outside the box and to think uh, from a very high, uh, um, you know, kind of like a, a bird's eye view. That's really the Aquarius type of thing. It's when you are on the outskirts of society, you are able to see how the entire system works. Mm. So by having ideas of how the entire system works, we may be able to provide for everyone in a more egalitarian way. Well, and that might, I well, yes, well, we'd sure hope so. And I love that you're bringing this up. I was like, just read an article about new stimulus, you know, things mm-hmm. that they're talking about pushing through right now. Um, but one of the things we have to realize as Jupiter moves through Aquarius is that it's still on Saturn's watch. It's still yeah. under Saturn's domain, it's but it's true. not in a fall position anymore. Right. Um, but maybe that's where that structure element comes in is that we are pushing forward. We do need those Jupiterian turn of the wheel, um, fortune, abundance, quality. But it's going to be on Saturn's terms, and hopefully Saturn is sees you know what needs to be done to have a structure of society that is more even killed in some way too. And because you know fixed signs are about stabilization, mm-hmm. um, and we you know and those previous cardinal energies are very polarized in the sense of that's why they're pivots, especially Cancer and Capricorn, is because they can be extreme you know seesaw types of imbalances or switches taking place. So I like the stabilization energy that could come with Aquarius. But as you brought up before, um, 
we always have to remember is, and I don't want to kill anybody's hope because I think we all need hope. We always need hope in life. Right. Um, but anywhere a planet is going, uh, any element it is traveling through, there are always going to be blessings and challenges. Kind of what mm-hmm. you brought up earlier about the, the fact that we can't get away from pain in life and we choose the suffering but because we need the polarity and the variations of those energies to be able to the understand what um, you know progress joy good fortune is as opposed to when we're down and outs and and feeling low and you know it, we need both of those experiences to have a richness in life that can understand those sides of things so that's, that's how we come to gratitude you know Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that gratitude is attitude of receiving. Uh, <laughs> I do want to correct myself though with this Jupiter uh, opposition to Saturn, the last one that took place, because we did have um, Jupiter and Saturn la- last met in a conjunction in, I think it was 2000, right? Uh, Spencer, right before the, um, yeah, you know, in Taurus, right? It, it was, uh, it was in Taurus, and I think it was right before the, um, 9-11, basically. Yes. Um, and so we saw a grand thing take place, which is ironic watching a kind of like a capitalistic uh, representation of, you know, World mm-hmm. Trade Center go down, um, which is just interesting to think of, you know, archetypally speaking, uh, as we are in the last 20 years of the the Earth triplicity of Jupiter oh, yeah. and Saturn. Um, but they we had the opposition um, between these two planets and kind of this turning point that Spencer was speaking of um, and that Demetra George was referencing in 2010 and spring of 2011. Um, And we know that was a pivotal time for economy getting out of a depression, at least here in the States, we had Barack Obama as a president, which is a, was a different kind of shift of, of energy leading us into this next, um, you know, I don't want to use the word age, <laughs> uh, but you know what, I, what I'm getting here with, with that. So we do have to keep that in mind as we go in here. Um, but the last thing I'll say about that, because we do need to move on because we have so much to talk about uh, with the solstice season, is on the solstice, and we're talking about going out there and looking at the stars. One of the best things about looking at the stars on this night is we are going to see Jupiter and Saturn on top of each other. They're going to create basically this, you know, bigger super type bright. of, yeah, super bright yeah. entity. And Jupiter is already pretty bright as it is. Um uh, the moon will be in Pisces that day. So I guess if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, look to your, find the moon and look to your right. Uh, <laughs> and you're going to find um, Jupiter and Saturn. Um, and then look to your left and you should see uh, Mars. Uh, but yeah, I just think it's going to be kind of that like gift of the Magi, Northern, so, you know, mm-hmm. like just like, oh. totally. yeah. So it's it kind beautiful. of like, yeah, it is going to be beautiful. So definitely go out um, and look for that. So that being said, ooh, let me get our chart up for our ingress into um, Capricorn. Oh, let me get us back to, I'm, I'm in 2010. I went back in time. I did, I did a pull to Saturn. Um, and Spencer, you might, Christine and I were talking about this in the last podcast um, when I was going back and looking at inventions that happened during the air triplicity oh, yeah. uh, back in the 1200s and 1300s. That's when the mechanical clock was invented and oh, it changed God. our whole nature of time. <laughs> so talk about how appropriate what you're talking about with time is um, 
in, huge. Yes, in relation huge. to coming back. To this was there point. any? When was the printing press invented? Was that during those air? I was looking at that actually, and I think certain printing. Oh, well, the Gutenberg. I want to say it was like fourteen hundred or something in there. But there were primitive printing techniques that came out before, even before that. I think in China, that was before that air age as well. It wasn't even in that. It was like like nine hundred or one thousand yeah. or something like that. But I, I had those same thoughts. I was like, yeah. hmm, printing. But that's really interesting with the clock thing. I died. Talk laughing about a, in Talk my, about. A reality changer. Yes. You know, something like that is going to happen in the next few years here. You That's know? exactly what I was saying. Like that, those are the types of things where it's like, it just turns something and then it's like the whole, like you said, the whole nature of reality. Well, it's hard to predict shifts. too. Like, I mean, yeah. think about being a 1200, you know, you know, 1200s person and being like, you know, not living that way and trying to predict what how that would change life. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what makes this so so difficult is yeah. we don't always know what kind of Promethean gift the gods are going to bestow upon us. Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, exactly. And I think that is a big part of what's coming up ahead here and what something we can look forward to, but also know yeah. the um the uh dynamic shifts that that could impose upon humanity. Over over time, time. I've been been joking with my daughter for a long time. Like, you know, you're going to have to teach me how to use the teleporter when I'm old, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, we talked about teleportation in this thing too. That's funny. Oh, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll just have to wait and see. So, okay. Well, we came into our Capricorn ingress and our solstice. Of course, this is Monday, uh, uh, 2021. We're not 2021. Uh, 12-21, December mm-hmm. 21st. Um, it actually happens at 5.02 a.m. here. Um, not here, but in Washington, uh, here on the East Coast. Or I'm not on the East Coast. You're on the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, kind, of, kind of. You're... Yes, you're considered Midwest. you're Midwesty. Yeah. You're closer to the East Coast than I am, but over here uh, we're looking at about two a.m. Details, details. Saturn and Virgo mm-hmm. stop. Okay, so <laughs> um, it's so interesting that these uh, last couple ingresses of the Sun into new signs is kind of coinciding with a first quarter period too. So yeah. actually, this day not only do we have um, not only do we have uh, the Jupiter Saturn conjunction, which is huge, as we just talked about. Um, but we have, well, I guess I can do it easily this way. But we have basically the Sun um, and the Moon squaring later that day in Aries um, in Capricorn, respect or Ca- the other way around. But mm-hmm. I find it interesting that we have this dynamic solstice also pushing off a cardinal point first That's quarter a of a cycle from a yeah. from an eclipse in Sagittarius, like that speaks high energy, like vault off catapult to me to something about this season. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. First quarter moons are some kind of material crisis too. Like some kind of like it's that square was of the nature of Mars. So there's some challenge in bringing something to fruition that we have to dig deep in our heroic natures to overcome. You know, and you know, and then it's opposite the last quarter, which is kind of the existential crisis where we're letting go of something, right? But this may be a point where we're just trying to bring something really important into existence. And we, you know, with the sun in Capricorn one, it may be about what kind of new identity are we going to plant, and what what kind of what does that look like materially? Because with the the moon and 
Aries one, it's all about how do we separate from the mother plant or the father plant, or how do we create and that new um, individual identity. And I, I do think that this will be a question of who are we and what do we want to, who do we want to be in this new paradigm? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, that is what Cardinal is, this is movable energy. This is right. independent initiative too. I mean, not only with Aries, which is kind of a given, but just Cardinal in general, there is a stand-up leadership quality to it. Mm -hmm. And as we're pushing off of a, an eclipse, that is really about, in my mind, uh, kind of changing realities and changing journeys mm -hmm. uh, and that shifting mutable nature, we're pushing forward um, with all, you know, the first quarter full moon and last quarter in cardinal. So it's like yeah. we seated in the shifting, but we move forward um, and apex into uh, the new and, and what we are starting. Um, so I think that there's just going to be so much energy to this solstice in, in general. Um, and I know a lot of us, and I've been telling people this all year too, especially in consultations, you know, like this is the turning point point to, to many, like if you're waiting for something, whether it's like an outside thing to take place or just some sort of internal resolve that is like shifting the compass point into a different direction, this is kind of that moment. So definitely pay attention to this day um, and the internal, you know, friction that might be going on or the external friction or the combination of the two because something about your motor is revving. Something is like about to kick into some sort of high gear where, you know, you're like, well, yeah. This is the emerging <laughs> point. I mean, th think about 2020 as uh, we were stripped of everything. We were stripped yeah. of the old identity. If we were stripped of our social groups, we were stripped of, some of us were stripped of our jobs. Some of us were stripped of important relationships. I mean, when you strip everything to the core, you figure out who you are, essentially. Mm -hmm. And now that we've had everything stripped away, the new shoot can start to grow again. And then think about this as old wood that you could strip down. Like I, I do, I don't know if you can see behind me, but I, I uh, do bonsai and I, I oh, tend nice. to little trees. And some of the, the, you know, what you have to learn with a bonsai tree is that you have to cut away some of that old growth so that the new growth can come. And that requires faith. That's a difficult thing. When I first started doing bonsai, I didn't want to cut anything. I didn't want to like shape it. I was just like, oh, I just love all the growth. But then it, it becomes disorderly, right? Yeah. And part of the, the bonsai is, is creating that order. So by, by eliminating everything from the past, not everything, but like, you know, eliminating that old identity, you're really clearing the decks for a new, a new identity, a new, a new paradigm shift to come through. And that's, that's why I've just tried to hold faith throughout this entire year, knowing that w there's a reason why we go through those periods of consolidation and those of contraction. You know, it's because it, it is a cycle and there will be a return. And it's just so fascinating to see it all play out, especially with this last eclipse that was yeah. right on this fixed star um, called Ras El Haig, which is in the constellation Ophiuchus, which is the serpent bearer. And it was, he, he was the, the healer associated with Asclepius, the healer. And we had all this news about new medicines coming out around this time. Mm. It's just like, oh, that's the return. Okay. So we're seeing this return of hope kind of thing. And I'm ready yeah. for it. 
I'm ready for it too. Um, so I think these are going to be the first couple of days of Capricorn season are going to be pretty dynamic in the sense that first quarters are always dynamic. Add the Aries element to it as an extra dynamo um, and this kind of um, individual pushing off and kind of character building moment that we will be under. Um, but not only that and why these couple of days are so important uh, is during that Aries moon transit, um, you know, late, late 21st, the 22nd, Tuesday, the 22nd, um, is, and then Wednesday, especially Wednesday, especially yeah. Wednesday, because Wednesday, the 23rd, not only is the moon crossing over Mars, but that is when Mars is perfecting its last square to Pluto, which has been a story of 2020, the latter half of 2020 yeah. as well. So we're, you know, Mars and Aries is coming up against that friction inducing square with Pluto for the last and final time. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, that one's that one's a spicy one. Um, it is spicy. <laughs> uh, so, in in addition to that, there's going to be an, an Antitia earlier in the a few days before that between Venus and Pluto. So there may be some relationship things that come up with that behind the scenes. Mm. And Antitia is like a secret conjunction between those two planets. But we may see, you know, from decisions that we make in our relationships. Uh, you know, some kind of severing or some kind of erupting of corruption from the underworld that we have to deal with and that we have to uh, use our martial courage to overcome. Um, Venus will be on the fixed star Antares this day too, which is the heart of the scorpion. So I would very much advise all of you out there to um, be careful about the level of intensity that you bring to the table. Yes. Because this could be a day where you're just feeling very passionate. And, you know, think about that, that scorpion constellation. You know, um, there's a really interesting short story that I'll tell you about the, the, the scorpion and the frog. There was a scorpion that came to the edge of the, the river. And he asked the frog there, oh, I need a ride across the river. And the frog was like, I don't know, you're a scorpion. He's like, no, it's fine. It's cool. You know, and <laughs> so he gets on the frog's back. And he starts swimming across the river and the scorpion stings him. And the frog's like, scorpion, why, why did you do that? You know, like, you know, now we're, we are both going to drown, you know? And he's like, the scorpion's like, it's just in my nature. And they, yeah. both, and they both drown, you know? So it's kind of like, don't sting the frogs in your life that are trying to help you and with the inappropriate intensity, you know? And, and with this Mars-Pluto, this is something that's really important not to... I know that it's really important for us to try to take uh, self-directed action that Mars represents here. But if you're doing it in, a, in, a, in an underworld or underhanded or manipulative type of way, that can be really damaging to the relationships that you have in your life. So maintain your integrity, I think, at all costs with this, yes. with this aspect. Absolutely. Especially with Venus crossing over that fixed star place, because the, mm -hmm. that uh, you know, Antares and Aldebaran. Though these are points of integrity, and it's very important That's to right. stay in it. Otherwise, it can go south in ways that you know you just don't desire. You um, lose everything you could, and and to add to this period of time, uh, we also have Mercury um, in a square with Chiron and approaching a trine with Uranus. So there is kind of a uh, you know there are abilities to wound with what our words may uh, 
bring out and they can mm-hmm. come out with a fastness of the Uranus that are unexpected uh, that we don't have as much control over too. And so this might be kind of the more shadowy side that we're bringing up. But, you know, Mars meeting Pluto um, in this tension and then Mercury being activated there and being ahead of the sun now too. So we are, we're speaking before we're getting maybe the illumination of what the sun can bring with right. it um, a few days later, uh, you know, after, you know, after this, you know, we could, you know, shoot from the hip um, or try to control from a certain situation uh, verbally or in conversation and then come to realize when the sun shines on that point, we'd be like, oh, well, maybe I should have. Uh, and then we're going to be trying to be patched up. Uh, you know, that's, that's just kind of what I'm seeing that could be a possibility. Yeah, totally right. Like this is, yeah. And then Mercury is going to be pretty close to this fixed star called Phasis, which is the the eye of, this, of the centaur in Sagittarius. So it is about this vision, um, but it could be ruthless. So like, you know, the centaur is holding a bow and arrow. So I think that a lot of times when we get into Capricorn season, we are trying to achieve a goal, a material goal. Mm. And, you know, if we, if we try to build oh, through becoming overly ambitious, we can hurt people around us. And that, that's something that we really have to be aware of during this season is that we, we've all been cooped up for a really long time. We've all been wanting to make important changes but if if we we have to think about how ethical are the changes we want to make are, and we and we have to maintain. I, I love this word though, maintain our integrity. And there are some, you know, goals that you have where getting to the top of the mountain can be a, a really lonely experience. So I I would say try to get there, but with your relationships intact, and that that's going to be really important. I think towards the end of the year with the. Mercury uh, in contacts with Uranus and the Mars-Pluto square and the sun trining Uranus. I mean, we're going to have breakthroughs of awareness and we're going to have breakthrough ideas, but just be really careful that you're not running roughshod over the people in your life along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Because we know with breakthroughs and we all like to have breakthroughs, right? But, you know, more often than not, in order to get the breakthrough, we got to go through the breakdown. And so that might happen before, especially as Mercury comes around um, before the sun can get to that breakthrough point um, where... You know, the sun will actually trine Uranus on uh, Sunday, December 27th. So that whole period basically from solstice when this this airs and especially around uh, December, Wednesday the 23rd, you know, the, the 23rd through the 25th, 26th, it, you know, it can be a little... Can get a little hairy, you know. We want to be conscious, conscious of what we're, what our agenda is, and everything that Spencer just said. I'm like a hundred percent on board with, especially as Jupiter and Saturn are on top of each other. And so, you know, that ambitious, you know, nature and being in this fresh new element and Jupiter just ramping up whatever it touches, including Saturnian impulses. Um, we want to be careful that we're not, you know, we don't want to be the cheese standing alone, you know, <laughs> over, over in the corner. Um, so uh, just be conscious of that. And especially when it comes to control or manipulation or trying to weave things in a way that suits only your benefit um, for uh, the goal at hand, but then leaves you, you know, you know. And, and you're going to have to do things in a new way too. I think that's yeah. the, 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 really the lesson of Jupiter, Saturn and Aquarius and, and you know, and, and the parable of, of uh, 
precursors here is that you can't hang on to the past. Sometimes you just have to move forward with your life. And, and especially with your honest contacts, yes. it, it's shattering a lot of the old structure. And if you try to keep doing things in the same way that you've always done it, that's when you're choosing to suffer, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's a wonderful point, Spencer, because really what Jupiter and Saturn are now saddling up to is upcoming squares with Uranus. So this actually might be a point where we become consciously aware of where we need to do things differently, uh, what needs to break apart to be liberated into energy that is able to be um, evolved or risen up in some way. And so I think this is going to be a very telling time on uh, in many facets. Uh, of our life, but you know, we're going to have inspiration of the fire stimulated. We're going to have, you know, the concrete reality that Earth brings to the table, uh, and then we're going to have the aspirational, you know, uh, possibility element of uh, of air at play. And so, you know, maybe there's not going to be so much water involved. So, like, like emotionally speaking, maybe we're not going to be as sensitive, or but also maybe even intuit intuitively speaking, we might not be as connected, especially to those around us and kind of, you know, um, there is more of a separate and type, type drier type of energy at play. And you we'll know? have to reckon with that at that full moon in Cancer. Oh, <laughs> you know how to lead up a story. Okay. So that brings us to our full moon in Cancer at eight degrees and 53 minutes of cancer, which is going to happen on, I believe it's Tuesday, uh, December 29th. Mm -hmm. um, and this will be in the, the latter part of the evening here in North America. Um, and so, ooh, it just gets so watery with a, a domicile full moon in cancer. So what do you, I mean, what are you thinking? What are you thinking about this? Um, well, the, the sun is conjoined that same fixed star, Fosses, at eight degrees of Capricorn, which is about vision and you know maybe even a ruthless vision so we, we we may be aware of a quest that we are trying to to go on and a goal that we're trying to achieve um the moon is going to be very close to a fixed star called uh, Mirzim at, at seven degrees of cancer but also alhina at nine degrees and Mirzim was called the announcer and this was one where it was a star that rose right before um, Sirius, in, uh, I believe, and that was announcing the return of the, the floodwaters to the Nile. So there may be some kind of announcement that we are experiencing or some kind of like, you know, we're, we're saying, this is what I'm doing. Um, and then the Alhina was called the proudly marching one. Um, so that's about marching for a cause. So both of these fixed stars are going to be in, in play. So we may feel like we're, we have some kind of cause that we're trying to really like uh, enact at this full moon. Um, I do think just on a simpler level, though, you know, there's a, a, a conflict between some of the public, you know, things that we're trying to do in our private lives as well. Mm -hmm. And how are we going to get the nurturing that we need to bring that material goal into existence? You know, that first decade of cancer is about nurturing and about, the, you know, exchange of resources between a mother and a child. So um, I think that we are going to have to be a little bit more sensitive and, and maybe there will be a little bit of adjustment that has to happen because Capricorn is the, 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 the goat that's climbing that mountain that's one step at a time and it's hard to deter it from its path. 
But cancer is, moves side to side, in forwards and backwards, right? And you know this. You're born. Oh, on, you <laughs> too. You too. Yeah, I'm a cancer son. But this 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 dichotomy between these two is how can we remain flexible but still uh, still focused on the goal? You know, I yeah. think that's really the key here. Yeah, I think that that is astute uh, advice, especially in the sense that what we were just talking about earlier, because I think what is going to happen, um, because not only do we have this full moon in cancer, which is very watery and emotional and sensitive, um, we also, the day after, which is very basically perfecting on this day as well, is Venus in Sagittarius is squaring Neptune in Pisces. Yeah. So here we have these two watery elements that are being activated around the same time. And so we might not even be aware of how we emotionally feel about something that we are on the climb to or how that's affecting our relationships or our home life or what have you, um, our family, etc. until we get to this full moon. And then all of a sudden, all those emotions are lit up in a way where we're like, oh, well, I wasn't feeling that before. Um, but now this, you know, now that I'm in touch with this uh, emotional side of myself, which is very important in life, um, there might just be new considerations to adding to a, a pivot point of some sort. Because we did talk about earlier about cardinal signs, movable signs being pivot energies, and especially with Cancer and Capricorn being more extreme in the seesaw effect. So mm -hmm. there could be some changes of uh, heart to some extent, um, or there could be just there could also be if we're like really pushing through changes and building some momentum, there could be joyous celebration yeah. around something we push to too, you know, but the, the, the quality is that we're going to be very emotional probably about something and we might not be aware of it until this comes in. Um, and I like what you said earlier, Spencer, about maybe working to something. Um, I forget how you quite put it. Um, maybe with a, like a, a, a like a, maybe more of like a humanitarian or kind of giving like quality mm -hmm. involved because to me that's also speaks of the venus venus squaring neptune too where we can be more compassionate maybe mm -hmm. you know maybe venus was blazing along in sagittarius doing her own thing on her own journey and then all of a sudden she's like oh my gosh i have to consider you too yeah. i'm like oh we i you know and so the compassion is is um is well, triggered I, I think, in some I think way. Our goals might shift too as yeah. Jupiter moves from Capricorn to Aquarius. You know, Jupiter and Capricorn is really one of the reasons they talk about it being in its fall is that the there's a difficulty with Jupiter or Zeus connecting to the higher self. So a lot there there were some themes of like um, we may be thinking that we're doing this grand work, but it's actually just motivated by a material desire. Mm. And once Jupiter moves into the Aquarius, we may be able to return to that ability to see the bigger picture and to have more of a humanitarian or more of a universal approach to the goals that we're trying to enact. So, and it, you know, Jupiter, where Jupiter is, talks about sort of a belief system too. So there may be a shift in, in the why of what we're doing. Yeah. And I guess one last thought I had about that, this stretch of time before that full moon is this may be a holiday season too, where we're really being asked. Oh to, yeah. To, you know, we, we totally skipped over that, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but with, with the, the Mercury and sun trines to Uranus, we may be asked to do the holiday season in a way that we ha aren't accustomed to like mm. socially distanced. 
And I know that's really painful for a lot of people. We may be dealing with the fallout of that emotional uh, distance at this full moon too and coming to terms with it. But like I said, with Uranus, it's, it's very important that you don't become attached to the old way of doing things. Remember the story of, of Capricorn and, and Precus, right? We, we can't turn back the time. And if we get attached to doing something the old way, we could cause undue suffering with this. And we saw this with like Thanksgiving and the, the COVID spikes and things yeah. like that. And I, I would really highly encourage people to, to be safe during this period of time. And don't get attached to the old way of doing things. This, this time requires innovation. Mm. And doesn't mean we can't connect with our loved ones. It just means that we have to be uh, judicious about that and, and think of the, 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 the health of the whole. And, you know, that's really what Aquarius, Jupiter, Saturn, Aquarius is saying. How do we, how do our actions fit into the grand scheme of things? Because it's not, our actions do affect other people. And I, want, I want to tell you, Melissa, when we were talking about earlier, before we got on the air, we were talking about like forest fires and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and one experience I had that was really powerful earlier this year was when everything was really raging across the, the West Coast, um, the smoke from those fires changed the color of the sun here in Michigan. Like you could see smoke in our sky. And that was so powerful. Like it was so powerful of an experience of seeing like, you know, we are connected. Like this, this is not something where one action doesn't have ripple effects for other communities, you know, and that really hit home to me and it was a powerful moment. And I think we're starting to really understand that with, with something like the pandemic, like our actions have consequences for our neighbors or like, our actions have consequences for people in 3,000, 4,000 miles away, you know? And, and that's, I really think that's the part of what we're going to be moving towards is that awareness. Yeah, that is a very good point to bring up, um, especially during this holiday season and, you know, Capricorn energy. Capricorn is all about tradition, right? You know, you totally. want your traditions. Like this is the tradition that we do each year, but right. we do have to do it differently. We do have to take in consideration that Venus the whole time of the, you know, at least the Christmas season and then, you know, leading into New Year's is in a square with Neptune. And Neptune does represent, um, you know, the, the disease to many, uh, in many respects too, and the sneakiness of it. Um, and so we just have to be very, uh, you know, careful in, in that regard. Um, it represents illusion. It represents not being able to come to terms with the reality of a situation where we want to transcend into some divine union, right? And Venus square Neptune to me is like, you know, we may have this romantic, we may be romanticizing, you know, like what, our, our past or like what we're moving towards. And um, I really feel this is a Saturnian dominant time still. And Saturn doesn't have a lot of patience for romantic illusions, you know. <laughs> it can be tough like that, but I, I just, I, you know, it's... Um, That's true. I, I, this is the mama bear and the Cancerian mama bear and me wanting everyone to be, you know, to, to be safe and, and to respect the fact that there has been so much suffering this year and and everybody to do their part. Yeah. 
And well, at least I guess with Venus and Sagittarius and, uh, you know, Neptune and Pisces, they, they're looking to, they're both looking to the same Jupiter over there in Aquarius. Um, I just find it interesting that it's all happening around New Year's here too, which mm-hmm. is definitely a point when people like to get together to ring yeah. in the new year. Um, and I imagine Jupiter and Aquarius wanting to uh, be around community. So yeah. we're going to have to get clever about ways to do that because that could be an unwa- unwelcome um, you know, spike of sorts. Although I would be interested to see if there's more uh, vaccine news and things along those lines that come out. Because another part to realize with this Venus-Neptune square is this is this is basically touching down on the opposition of her retrograde journey earlier in the year in May and June when Venus went retrograde in Gemini and did so and stationed in a square to Neptune. So mm. she's already had like kind of precursor energy this year with uh with the venus neptune square so i'm interested what this will bring on the other side of things and if maybe part you know parts of may and june and we know that that was when riots happened too and people were on the street and we're like well what about what happened to covid now we're all gathering in these mass you know considerations and so such a tough it's such a paradox it is it's all over the place out like it's it's this year has really challenged us to be able to see multiple perspectives of a single event, yes. you know, and it's, it's tough. I, and I don't, I don't have a great answer, you know, like none of us do, you know, <laughs> like, Hey, North like, Node in Gemini and Sagittarius this is Ambiguity. where we're at. Ambiguity. Ambiguity. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So we learned that the full moon in cancer on uh, Tuesday, the 29th and Venus basically squaring Neptune on the 30th uh, as the moon trines into Neptune too. Um, well, these are going to be watery times where they're, they, you know, look past immediate things with relationships too, because as Spencer brought up with kind of the illusory quality um, that Neptune brings to the surface and especially them both being backed by Jupiter, we could be over idealistic in our connections with other people, our close relationships, our ability to get together. Um, And so that can be uh, somewhat dangerous in in effect um, and not a way that we can readily see. So just know that there is a fog rolling in at that time (laughs) with Mm -hmm. connection and we have to be uh, as conscious as we can be in it. Man, New Year's too. I, I I didn't make that connection when I was looking at the notes, but well, actually, yeah. that brings us right in. Yeah, well, this is another reason that we have to be conscious in for New Year's because literally on New Year's Day we have Mercury in a sextile to Neptune, and Mercury likes to spread things, as yeah. it is a transmitter of sorts. And so, basically, New Year's Eve um, and New Year's Day, it is uh, perfecting a sextile with Neptune. So that's another kind of like ease of transmission to me. I'm just going to, you know, just say yeah, I'm no, you're totally right on. I'm I'm nervous about these periods of time and uh and I and I, I don't like being Deb- Debbie Downer, but at the same time having a practical perspective on this and knowing that we're we're not out of the woods yet. Yeah. And you know, I've I've had many friends that have, that have gotten sick and it is not not something to mess around with and we, it, it, this is a thing too. As much as I've like, on certain points of my forecast, I've taken people to task for being irresponsible. <laughs> like, I've also <laughs> wanted to say that those of you who have done the hard work this year, you know, 
bravo to you. It, it, it takes so much mental discipline to be able to think about other people besides yourself yeah. and make choices like that. And I totally feel everyone where we're a little, we're just exhausted, you know, and we, we want to, to get back to be able to visit with our friends and our family so bad. And, but I want to really just applaud the people that have done, done their part because that takes an enormous amount of, of willpower and we will get there. Uh, we just have to kind of get this final push where we really, you know, are very disciplined and we do still have to give some things up, I think at this point, but, but the hope is around the corner. We just, we have another, I think, roughly six month period of, of, you know, coming out of it. You know what I'm saying is how I think yeah. that's, that's where I'm seeing it. That's, um, yeah, that's, I'm seeing it in the same way, especially just right now it can just be extra, extra because uh, something that Spencer and I haven't pointed out either is the fact that uh, Neptune is at the bending of the nodes. Yeah. And so that's all through basically until the end of January. So there is once again, that Neptunian, uh, you know, subversive, the kind of like sneaking up on you, you know, kind of germy type of quality to it. Um, and so when we're thinking about this time period as Venus squares Neptune on the 30th, Mercury then sextiles Neptune on, you know, at like 6 a.m. in the morning on January 1st, basically when people could be partying. Um, and then Mercury then goes on to conjunct Pluto on the 4th, which, you know, maybe when we get infected with something, there is a, an incubation period that's been made aware yeah. a couple of days later. Um, you know, there's it's just kind of like an interesting little lineup where the universe is like, don't mess with me. I got Neptune. I got Neptune and then I got the effects of Pluto on the other side. <laughs> I mean, if you don't think I mean, it's you seriously. and I both know there's going to be people that are going to do Absolutely. whatever they want. So, I mean, that's, that's the reality of the situation that we live in with such a polarized, you know, worldview right now. Um, but if you're on the fence with some of these things, I hope that Mel and I can maybe, uh, you know, drive you towards the, the responsible path, you know, and, and I don't think we're trying to incite fear, but, a little bit of like caution uh, can keep you alive, <laughs> I think is the, yeah. you know, but. Well, and discipline, and this is one of the things with Saturn, because Saturn loves discipline, right? But um, mm -hmm. the uh, what happens with discipline over time is we gain some sort of reward. And yes. the reward we are looking for is freedom. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, we are looking for the exactly. reward of freedom. So yes. having the discipline um, at this point in time. Yes. gratification. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Hallelujah. Yeah. But yeah. yes, freedom is the goal. And it, it, this isn't going to last forever, but it, it will continue to be drawn out if people aren't willing to do the hard work now. And that's true for anything. You, you ignore a problem for too long of a time, it, it snowballs and it gets worse, but you, you face it head on with courage and then you move forward to the, the liberation moment, you know? That's right. I'm telling this to like my 20 year old self when I wanted, needed to learn how to budget, you know, like, you know, you do a little bit of awareness work and a little bit of the tough love and, and, and that's when you can really start to make progress. And so, uh, you know, we're leading up to that, uh, last quarter moon on the sixth too with this. So, yeah. So after we get, so just, just to preface real quick before we get to last quarter, um, and our, our, our other side of the turning point now mm -hmm. getting to Libra, um, 
just Mercury conjunct Pluto that day anyways. We are kind of lining it with virus action on, you know, Monday the 4th. But just in general, when Mercury meets Pluto every year, uh, I think that we can come to a lot of understanding just about all the Plutonian information and all the like Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter, Pluto, you know, Mercury has not been to this point since around the eclipse in in Capricorn back in January when all this got started. So, so we have Mercury kind of returning to set up this uh, cycle with Pluto with a full new, uh, you know, understanding of facts. And so right. there, you know, I think that's going to be my, like our minds are going to be in a very serious place. It's going to be in a, in a place that is ready uh, for change or we're confronted with some sort of information that's like, no, this has to shift or purify or like go in a place that can feel... In, instinctively dangerous at first or like get us in a way that we're like, you know, our control mechanisms are, you know, kind of fired up. Um, but it's also a place that we can really get a hold of things such as, um, you know, habits that aren't, you know, totally. you know, working for us anymore too. So I think there's a big intellectual piece um, that goes very deep. There's This is a day of a deep dive, I guess is what yeah. we can say here uh, well, around this, January 4th. This period of time too coincides with another important event in our in our country's history here is we have the Georgia runoff elections that are going to be happening mm. on January the 5th. So the, the lead up to that with people voting and things like that, and because those runoff elections are huge for how we're going to move forward as a nation because they they control the control of the Senate is going to be at stake in those two elections. So if the like if Democrats become elected, they will have the 50-50 majority with the tiebreaker from Kamala Harris. So there's uh, a, a really it's a water another watershed moment as far as what is going to be possible with the the new administration bringing new things into existence over the course of a Joe Biden presidency. Mm, that's a really good point, Spencer. So that adds to the intensity because yeah, right, Pluto intense. brings intensity to yeah. the whole the whole thing. And and now they're, they're both looking to Saturn, who's now in Aquarius. Jupiter's right next door. And so we're filling that pole for progression, I th- you know, progressiveness, but we'll see uh, how those chips chips fall there. Um, which is interesting that it leads us to basically that last quarter in Libra on the sixth, technically. Um, although it's, I think it's like super early in the in the morning uh, somewhere there. But so here we are on our last stop of the cardinal round. Now we're in the relationship sign of yeah. of Libra. Um, which is interesting with all the relationship to components and Venus squaring Neptune earlier, and so maybe we're going to have like you know, kind of a realis- realization moment yeah. there. Well, th- yeah, this is a shift. Um, last quarter moons are like that existential crisis where we're changing our minds on something. So to me, this speaks to like, uh, we're trying to enact some kind of plan, but we really have to enlist help, you know, and there may be some disagreements with the people that we're working with to really get the final push to to enacting the plan, you know, I mean, the same day Mars is moving into, to Taurus too. So there's, there's some changes going on in this day, but so many changes, but yeah, I, I was born in the last quarter moon phase. And, and I will say that the energy is definitely one of questioning the why of what you're doing. So this, this day may be about 
why am I choosing this goal? What, how is it affecting the people in my life? Is it, am I able to bring balance to my own needs versus the needs of others? Because remember at that full moon, we had the domestic and the professional type mm -hmm. of uh, spheres kind of running into each other. And maybe at this point, we have to say, you know what, I've been putting too much energy into this project and I need to spend some time with my family or, or vice versa. So it's, uh, I think it's a, definitely another interesting turning point. And well, and it's so interesting to see it kind of butt up against the time you were just talking about with the Georgia runoff. Like we think about Libra and Capricorn together, and the, you know, kind of the justice and the you right. know, like just right. what's what's fair and what in the in this last quarter position, this is the final thing to kind of get the administration into place for yep. what's to come. You know, we can't make this stuff up. It's just like really just on time and whatever time is. <laughs> and, <laughs> you, know? And you know, and you have to think about this too. With as polarized as we are as a country right now, no one's going to be happy with whatever happens. Yeah, you know that that's something that to consider, which is, is very square. Yeah, it's very square. So someone's going to be upset with whatever the result of this is, and I, I hope that we can start to you know have more unifying conversations with people again because uh, that's my hope for this next four years or whatever we're going through here is. We've been so divided, um, or I don't know, basically gaslit into division. Yeah. And I, I just, uh, I, I have hope that hopefully we'll be able to start at least conversing with one another again, because we're really living alternate realities from other people right now. And that, that's, that's dangerous. Yeah, I, I think is. that a society only works when we have some kind of shared, agreed upon reality with other people. Right, absolutely. And we got to get back to that somehow. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, on the plus side, I guess it's nice to see that we have Venus um, kind of inching up to trying uh, Mars here. Um, mm -hmm. That's going to happen around the eighth and the ninth. But uh, so we have, th so that's nice. So we have kind of these, you know, either side of the the wholeness, the coming together in some way, which they haven't had a lot of opportunity to do that in 2020. Right. But before we get there, let's talk about um, some, you already mentioned that Mars is moving into Taurus, which is big news on, yeah. on the same day of last quarter, uh, not at the exact moment because it's dangling at 29 degrees and 45 minutes at exact last quarter. Yeah. But so basically in, in the few days after last quarter, we have Mars moving into Taurus on the 6th. And then we have Mercury in a, in a, moving into Aquarius and Venus moving into Capricorn on the 8th, which is so mm -hmm. funny how Mercury and Venus have been doing kind of simultaneous ingress dances in the last mm -hmm. couple months of like them moving together. Um, but let's touch on that Mars in Taurus because whew, Lord knows we've had so much Mars in Aries, haven't we? Yeah. Um... I wish I had better news with that transit. Ah. <laughs> um, I would be irresponsible if I didn't talk about the fact that when Mars moves into Taurus, it is said to be in its exile. So uh, one way that you can look at a planet in exile is that you aren't going to be able to do the way that that planet normally functions. You're going to have to do think outside the box. So Venus or Mars is going to be in Venus's sign. Uh, so we may be trying to create uh, harmony, but through conflict or vice versa. Now, the, 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 really the big part that is a, a problem with this ingress is that Saturn comes into an immediate square with 
Mars again. Yeah. And that's really was the big uh, aspect of 2020 was the overcoming square of Saturn to Mars, where we felt like we constantly, we, we wanted to move forward, but we always had our foot on the brake. And we get relief from that from like uh, now until uh, the end of the year. But then, you know, look at on January 6th, we're going to get right back into this, like, you know, this, this kind of foot on the brake and foot on the gas type of, uh, you know, dichotomy. So I do think that the, the, the problem with this is we will feel frustration of, of not being able to move forward the way that we want to. Um, and then we're going to see, you know, Mars is starting to get close to Uranus and, and some unexpected things with uh, resources. And um, I just, like I said, I don't want to be overly negative because there's always hope that can be gleaned from these things. But I do think that this is a, a, a still a very difficult aspect between those two planets. And Mars and Taurus time is going to be tough. Uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of arguments about how we use our collective resources and is it fair? And is it, uh, you know, how, how do we move forward? I know yeah. a lot of people are worried about, you know, stimulus and things like that. Because we're getting to the point now where, you know, it's one thing to... Like I agree with with some of the shutdowns that were necessary, but the thing that has to come along with shutdowns is that you need to be able to support your people. And we're one of the only countries in the world that has simultaneously shut things down, but then not provided relief for the people after (laughs) we stopped them from working. And that's a problem. And that's going to be a problem moving forward if we don't, you know, face it head on. Does that make sense? Yeah, we we can have just well on Mars wherever it's going, it's it's looking for disruption, and so yeah. we're it's basically going to disrupt a what we think is a stabilized economy, uh, you yeah. know, to some extent, and then having Saturn um, going into the exact square with Saturn, which is going to be part of the new moon signature on January twelfth. So we get a whole cycle of that energy right. um, rather than a one stop shop type of thing. Um, yeah, it is going to be a challenging placement for it, especially having, so, I mean, it has its blessings and it's, you know, at at least it's not a fall position because I feel like we can work with exile and detriment a little bit better than we can with fall. So I agree there, you know, it's going to have those disruptions or those frustrations of not being able to move fast enough, but Hey, maybe we need yeah, patience. patience. And does Mars like patience? Yeah, no, no, um, that's why it's in, it's problem, right? <laughs> well, maybe the, the blessing in disguise there is the fact that Venus is moving into Capricorn, and maybe right. she's going to have some patience. So yes. maybe Mars will be able to cool its jets enough because Venus is like on the team of patience yeah. um, at that time. So at least we have that going for oh, us. Venus does take the long view. It's you know one day at a time. You know this is what how you can achieve with Mars and Taurus is to pace yourself. You don't have to, uh, this is the problem with Mars and Taurus because sometimes with Mars goes into Taurus, we'll have these bursts of energy, but then we'll get this lethargy, you know? So I think the key really is just pace yourself, you know, use your energy in becoming consistent. And yeah. I think that's the way to really work with this energy. Yeah. We want to think of like Knight of Pentacles type of just plot along, yep. stick the course, you know. Um, it can have that disruptive nature with uh, money though. Me, thinking yeah. about the first decan and being that five yeah. of, you know, Pentacles. And we all know it's like, oh, people hobbling in line yeah. with their bandaged <laughs> legs. And the, and it's fear. It's worry. It, it's worry it's about fear. not having enough. Worry, uh, thinking from a lack mentality. And Mm -hmm. so we might need to uh, curb ourselves of that a little bit because, you know, 
it is what you make of it uh, yeah. to some extent. Um, so, so we'll have to see with old Mars in Taurus. We'll just have to live it. I think it's going to be there until the early part of uh, March, March 6th or something along those lines. I had the date and I forgot it, but early March it'll move out. So we're, we're looking at just about two months of time of, of that going on. Um, but you know, we have Venus moving into Capricorn, which as we just said, she's kind of slow in her jets. She's looking for the longevity and the patience. And so just relationship energy in general, because they're going to make a trine, um, on the ninth of, uh, just the day after they move, they both move into those signs on Saturday, the ninth. And so at least they're, you know, they're on the same page to, to yeah. some extent. Um, all coming back to Saturn's page, <laughs> but uh, sure. yeah. So I think we're we're taking we're looking at the long haul in relationships and you know things along those lines or uh, going over what we're driven the values we're driven towards and how it might if we want something of value, it's going to take time to get there and it's just not going to be an immediate experience. And so I like the idea of Mars cooling its jets a little bit, even though it might not like the idea of it cooling its jets. <laughs> well, and, and, the, and the, to turn, the positive turnaround is that Venus will bring opportunities to change our circumstances. It will be able to show us the value of a different way of doing something or a different goal, a different job, a different relationship, a different, you know, place. Um, it's going to bring us opportunities to really understand the value or the lay of the land, so to speak, right? Mm, and yeah. once we understand the value, we can take w one step at a time to plant the seeds and to, you know, bring fertility to that, whatever that new place is. So those two things coming together, we may be able to really, um, uh, will be brought opportunities, but but we have to be patient to grow them over time. You know? Yeah, which makes a lot of sense because Venus is now in that territory of the juggling resources of the Two of Pentacles. And, yep. and we were talking about Two of Pentacles earlier. Totally. And so there is that, you know, you got to contract to, uh, to then, you know, move forward. And so... Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting space. But to add to that, we got Mercury now moving into Aquarius, um, which Mercury is going to like Aquarius more in this airy zone. Um, and But it's interesting because immediately Mercury squares Mars now mm -hmm. in Taurus and is basically moving to meet the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction from the 9th through the 11th. So I think Mercury has a big piece for us within yeah. all this. Some We're going to hear something that's... of some news. We're hearing some news, basically, <laughs> from yep. from the eighth through the eleventh. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm a little bit nervous about some more economic collapses around this period of time. Um, but I think that our innovation is going to get us through it. I really, I really like that quality of being able to rise above our circumstances and use the power of our intellect and the power of outside the box thinking to overcome some of these potential shortfalls that we may all be experiencing at some level. Um, so I, I guess that would be how I would deal with this energy is just, it's really a time to think innovatively. You know, if you're, if you're going to plod along like you always have, again, this could be another thing with Mars and Taurus where there's this attachment of like stability, sensuality, like this is the, the the conflict between our rational self and our sensual self, you know. 
And um, so I, I do think that our flexibility, even though Mercury's in a, a, a fixed sign, is going to be important. Mm, yeah. Well, and it's just interesting to think about too, Spencer, because we to liken back to what we were talking about earlier about Saturn shift into Aquarius um, and kind of the building of uh, the future versus the holding on to the past that was in Capricorn um, is that if we do have some sort of fallout and we do go through some things that are of a challenging nature, especially economically or structurally based, perhaps it is that catalyst, which is very Aquarius and Uranian because we need a catalyst a lot of yeah. times to be able to get to that breakthrough that we're talking down. So once so again, true. if something is breaking down, this can be just what the you know recipe calls for to clear the space for what can be innovated because no one is about to innovate anything if something doesn't you know break down first you know necessity is the mother of invention (laughs) um so we have like we i think that's part of this to take into consideration during this point especially since it's the dark hours of the moon you know Mm. when this uh as we're going through this this is a balsamic moon phase so it's very introspective in a sense and there's a seed being planted uh to start this new cycle um, but just remember that, that, that that is a key component of growth is that necessity for sometimes things to break down and decompose so that they can be built in a way that is going to be more sustainable in the long run. Yeah, and Schmidt says that Mercury is a, a destabilizing element too. Mercury mm. is, is, Mercury, it rules the seasons that are the transition points um, from light to darkness. So there, you know, and it was said in myth that uh, Maya, the night, was the mother of of Hermes, Mercury. And so there's this like casting things into doubt, casting things into shadow quality with Mercury too, and it's going to conjoin Saturn and then Jupiter moving forward over those few days as well. So w- there may be something where we're casting, you know, Saturnian things into question, and then. Maybe there's a return to hope or something mm. like that. Oh, I love that, Spencer. Mainly because the thing that we didn't share within this time period of like the, the ninth, eighth, ninth is the fact that the sun is sextiling the Neptune at that yeah. time too. And, you know, Neptune does bring up things as doubt um, right. and uncertainty or and even the side of hope where we're looking for a miracle type of situation. Yeah. Um, and so, and also when we become aware, because the sun is going to illuminate anything that we are bringing to conscious awareness of maybe things that we have to let go of or things that we have to be more compassionate of or where we have to take a spiritual approach or look at, you know, cause there is, there is such a thing as healthy doubt, um, yeah. in life. You know, sometimes we can get doubt to the sense that it creates anxiety, uh, right. and is not working for us. But there's a lot of times when we have doubt because we are to doubt the thing that we are doubting and that it can help us make important decisions um, that lead us into new territory because we questioned. Um, and like you said, it kind of asked the why of the very thing that needed that to be asked of, especially in this dark phase of, of the moon, especially when the moon's in Sagittarius there oh, yeah. too. Well, and doubt is very closely related, I think, to humility. It's a path to mm. humility. If we think that we know everything... Then that's that's the, the path to hubris. Yeah, and I think the asking questions is really really important at times like these. Instead of making grandiose statements, you know, questions. That's Mercury's role too: is to question things, to cross-examine a witness, so you can gain more information. 
So there may be a cross-examination Mercury is having in that conversation with both Saturn and Jupiter and, and with the square to Mars. You know, we may just, I think that that's, that's how I use Mercury transits is like, what questions do I need to ask today to get more mm. information, get clarification, think, yeah. you know? I think that's a great way of looking at it. So this basically brings us to our new moon at 23 degrees and 13 minutes of Capricorn on January 12th, which I have to point out, and I didn't think about earlier, is how it basically is a new moon on the hot spot area that was yeah. 2020, on um, you know, on, on Pluto. So basically, uh, we have that new moon that is affording a whole new cycle. Uh, getting us out of eclipse season, but also kind of reactivating, um, I think of like PTSD. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to go there, but that's where my mind went, Um, of 2020. And so... um, I mean, I think it's okay to acknowledge the the hard, hard year that we've all had and a lot of the pain that we've been through as a collective. I think grieving is is a part of being human. Yes, And once we really allow ourselves to feel that, that's when we start to, it's cathartic. We let it go instead of holding on to it. So I'm really uh, a fan of acknowledging both the, the, the light and the dark and the, the difficult and the glorious things in, in life. It's all part of the same experience. It's all part of wholeness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We talked about that earlier. It's so, it's so key. It's so key to, uh, we need that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, are we going to have a spectrum at this new moon. <laughs> what isn't going on? So basically, mm-hmm. we have uh, the sun, the moon, and Pluto all meeting um, in conjunction. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Mercury in a square to Uranus and Venus in a trine to Uranus. Um, but we have extra Uranus because Uranus is stationing direct on the 14th, just a few days after this new moon. So we have a very strong Uranus uh, signature in the sky. Um, and really just a couple days after that, uh, after Uranus stations direct um, that weekend on the 14th, we're going to have Jupiter then square Uranus. So Jupiter is really getting close to its square with Uranus too. So this is a Uranian full uh, new moon in many respects, but it's also very Plutonian. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think I even said that Mars is squaring Saturn, which is so important at this time too. So it's like what, what, you know, it's like everything but the kitchen sink is like in... (laughs) Yeah. This new moon. Well, and and to top it all off, Mercury is going to be emerging from under the beams as the evening star that day. Oh, too. that's true. So something is going to be coming to light. Yes. Uh, the first thought that comes to mind, and I, like I said, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but I really think that this might coincide with like a new wave of of lockdowns or something like that. Um, because I, I think that this may be where we're really having to deal with the ramifications of what we're doing as a collective right now, in, especially with the Mars-Saturn square, our, our desire to move forward is going to be severely limited by that overcoming square from Saturn. Yeah. And I, I just, and it's tough because it's going to bring up a lot of difficult emotions. There, there may be calls of like corruption, like in things of that nature. I do think when the sun and Pluto come together around that time, you're going to see corruption come to light and awareness of of what has been hidden and what has been repressed. 
And again, we have to deal with it like a plumber does, right? We have to deal with the clogged toilet uh, or we're not going to be able to, you know, relieve ourselves. Yes, <laughs> ever again. <laughs> so, so I, and I, you know, I, it's tough because I, I, like I said, I don't want to be the, the, the Debbie Downer person, but the Jupiter uh, Uranus square is actually a hopeful square. Um, especially with Jupiter in the in the overcoming position, this is that is a, a an aspect that really could speak to a dynamic breakthrough. So I, I think that yes, we may have a really difficult lunar cycle that we're going through, but but throughout this, I think that we are going to start to see some really important movements, some important breakthroughs, in addition to to some of the frustration that we may be feeling uh, with our, our our challenge with our forward movement. Yeah, absolutely. This has a lot of breakthrough quality to it. Yeah, I mean, not only are we waiting for Uranus to station direct, because now that's going to be moving forward and we're going to be in that rare period of time for you know a few weeks where we have all planets, you know, moving forward, which is another thing too. So it's an interesting dynamic to think about maybe the stop-start nature of Mars squaring Saturn, but we also yeah. are gonna have all these planets in, <laughs> in direct motion that are yeah. like, you know, so what are they moving to? We'll have to see see. Um, but we're, we're kind of back to that idea of like, it's just time to do things um, differently. And there's just an awakening quality, especially on the tangible earth sphere that is going to be happening at this time. So we're all going to be awakened to some sort of reality, some sort of fixed reality, or maybe a new fixed reality um, that is coming down because, you know, to have the sun and the moon conjunct Pluto too is like, this is to me is a, a you know, prefacing great change in, yeah. in some respects because Pluto, you know, there, as we all know, when you go down that rabbit hole, there is no coming back. And so there is something about this new moon that is going to um, send us down that hole in a way that can be very challenging. Uh, and it can be challenging on a collective, like you said, because, you know, we are in the zone of collective energies with all this Capricorn, all this Aquarius, and then just some Mars hanging out in the more personal zone of Taurus. And that's where that personal frustration can come in. But this is the collective speaking to in many ways. Um, but through great change, and we all want change right now too. So that's another thing we have to think of too, is like, um, you know, there, there's something out that's coming out of this that can be very transformative as a society, which can go into that Jupiter squaring Uranus kind of hope thing and that forward momentum that we're looking for, even if it is slow going by the progress of Mars's, you know, pace is that, um, there's something that, and, and so we'll see because we know vaccines are coming out at this time. We know that there's a lot of regulations to get life going again, that need to happen first and new things coming into play. And that can mean a change to how we go about, uh, you know, movement in life and the systems and structures. You know, we think about uh, 9-11 and how we had changed the whole airline industry of what we had to do afterwards. And so there's some sort of component of everyday reality to me that is be, that's probably going to be challenged um, at this time with these squares that it's like, well, you know, not everyone's going to be happy about it, right? Because we're back to the right. square. Not everyone's going to be happy, but we have to turn this corner. We have to go this way. Um, and so, and then even in your own life, I think that if you want to make dynamic changes 
to, you know, your forward moving trajectory, like go down, once again, go down that rabbit hole. Because to me, this can be a very transformative time, even if it does take us to a point that is very uncomfortable, very friction inducing, but also activating. Because we've got to remember with squares, even though they bring the heat, they bring the friction, they bring that Mars Mm. quality, it's also activating in a sense that it propels us to do something, you know? Well, you, you need friction for the tires to move the vehicle forward on the road. Yeah. And that's, I, I totally agree 100%. And just one other thought on Uranus. Uranus is, you know, this is something that, again, another thing that Schmidt pointed out. He thinks of Uranus as like a transcendental sun. So there's this really idealization quality with Uranus. You know, it's like what we're all aspiring towards. And this is why I think my, my thoughts on that is why it relates to rebellion is what happens when our reality doesn't match up with our idealism. Mm. We, we, we rebel and we, we get upset, you know? And I think that um, I would say realize that change is, is there to be worked towards, but change also takes work. It's, it doesn't happen like with a snap of a finger. And I think if you really, through this period of time, because I, I pulled an I Ching reading for this, this forecast and it was, restraint was the first hexagram, which was dense clouds with no rain. And it moved towards resolution, okay? Mm. Which is like the rain is coming. We are getting some of the liberation. But, but the changing lines talked about you've had some rain but, and you've won a battle, but you don't have to go you know, for the entire war right now. And I think that's really important as we go forward in the months ahead and it really speaks to the, the length of time it takes for that Jupiter-Saturn conjunction to play out throughout that 20-year cycle, is we want change and we want it now, but we do have to kind of go through some of the, the, the I don't know, the, the landmarks. Do you know what I'm saying? We, mm-hmm. have to, we have to go through the process. That's just part of being... Process. Yeah, it's just part of being incarnated on physical reality is just because we have an idea doesn't mean we can manifest it immediately in physical reality. There's, there is some laws of the universe that say, you got to plant a seed, you got to let it grow, you got to water it, you got to nurture it. You know, that's, that's what you learn being a gardener, you know, is you can't overwater something just to make it grow faster or you'll kill it. Yeah. So it's kind of the thing, like think of this time as you're tending the garden of hope and you've got to water it every day, you've got to pay attention to it, you got to fertilize it but you can't rush it. It's, it's going to happen in its own time too. You know, mm. I think that's, that's how I'm looking at it, you know? Oh, I love that. In its own time or the nature yeah. of like divine timing. I, I think that is so, I love that. The, the I Ching, it seems so appropriate. And to think about too, like um, kind of what I was getting from the changing lines is knowing when um, to fight. Because that's the thing, you know, and maybe that's the beauty of Mars and Taurus is that we don't have the steam as much to fight. Maybe we've we've lost some of it because of all the Mars and Aries, and like, you know, we we're feeling, and we might feel a little helpless and like hopeless because of that. Uh, And having when Pluto comes around, you don't fight because you're fighting against some, uh, you know, a Goliath that is bigger than you. And this is no David story, (laughs) you know. Um, Forces, you're yeah, and and it just it makes me come back to that first decan of, um, of Aquarius too, that Mars is making that square, uh, too. 
uh, having Mercury, Jupiter, and Saturn there is that being that uh, five of swords energy, yeah, which is I'm very sure. much a pick your ba- pick and choose your battles because mm-hmm. um, you know that is going to determine the quality of your of your your life and your mental state within this. Um, so if if this is not the time to fight. Um, and you can't just rage the battle on. You got to like maybe go with the the small wins you had and work through the right. process, like you just said. Um, picking and choosing your your battles, I think, is going to be an important part of this area, this time, and also putting in the work, like you said, because what is more right. Capricorn new moon and mm-hmm. Taurus energy than just doing doing the work and being doing patient the with the process? That's right. And and when when we have these paradigm shifts of such great magnitude you know we we tend to think about things in in terms of a human life but when you think about things in like the the history of humanity or the history of the earth it's so vast that that even what seems like a really long time to us is just a tiny drop in the bucket of eternity you know so that that's what that's what i tell myself when i'm feeling myself gravitating towards impatience is it's it's just a matter of perspective about how how fast change is happening, you know. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. I was just reading about this uh, the other day in the in these courses about the, and I know it's kind of a given, but I'm just going to bring it up one more time here. Mm-hmm. Is thinking about the nature of um, good and evil and how that is very perspective because what is good to one person can be evil to another, and vice True. versa. And so we have to keep that. In, in mind as we as we partition good and bad in life um, yeah. and what that could possibly mean mm-hmm. so so all right so we are nearing the end of a we've, we've got thorough, thorough treatment yes. uh, through our Saturn Virgo uh, <laughs> Saturns great. and Virgo um, so now I was like a, like a quick takeaway um, with and maybe you know Capricorn would be uh, a few words so I've I've been thinking lately of like, or like doing these forecasts of like, if you had one word uh, to describe, or maybe even one piece of advice, but I love the idea of one word and maybe a piece of advice that goes with it. Capricorn season this year. What what would you say? Uh, patience, but a, a new start, but it, it, but having patience. I think that go through the process. Process would be the word that I would talk about is we're on the cusp of big social changes and big personal changes because we are part of society and society's events will affect us. But as we learned from the cycle of Jupiter and Saturn, these changes take time. And I think that if you want to sustain those changes over the long term versus burning yourself out, you're going to have to just go at the pace of unfolding and allow the process to happen. Yes, you are going to have to t- take time where you're you know, using your will, um, but you're going to have to understand when to use your will and when to allow things to happen. I think that's the, the takeaway from this particular experience. But there is hope on the horizon. I, I, like I said, any type of change does not always come easy. Do you know what I'm saying? That's, that's the thing. Human beings don't really enjoy change. Rarely though. comes easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so expect some bumps in the road, I think, but, but recognize that it's part of a bigger cycle that is bigger than you, bigger than even your, your life. You're part of a, a huge paradigm shift and you're just going to play your role in it. 
you know, you'll have a role in it. Um, but you don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to get overwhelmed by the scope of it either. This is the chop wood, carry water type of thing. You know, we can see these big systemic changes that we want to take, but we've got to live our everyday lives too. And we've got to make sure we're attending and paying attention to those lives and cultivating relationships and cultivating, you know, these types of uh, daily practices. So one thing that you learn is if you have a daily practice, it does add up over time. That's how you make the big change. The big, big sustainable changes don't happen just by one big push. Sometimes you need one big push to finish, but that's, you know, it more works through the, the daily just habits that you get into. Mm, yeah, agree with all that times 10. Yeah, that's <laughs> hard. It's really hard. It like is daily. hard. It's inertia. We're trying to overcome inertia right now. You know, like it's really hard to get moving sometimes, but once you get moving, you know, it's then, then it's like a freight train. It's hard to stop you. I've been, I've been exercising a lot lately and I, it was really hard for me to start exercising as I, you know, move towards 40 here. I'm 40. So like it's your body changes and you're like, Oh, oh yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> like, so I need to exercise. So, but, but once you do it and you get into a routine and you know that you're not, your body's not going to change overnight, but, but then you start to see the result of many, many days and days and days of hard work. That's satisfying. And there is satisfaction in that at the end of the road and in the process. So uh, trust the process is what I will say. Mm, trust the process. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love it. You made me think of like my word might be maintenance. <laughs> maintenance. Yes. Yeah, that's a great one. Maintenance, yeah. you know, like uh, as we go through changes and we go through some uncertainties and some, we're just going to have to be conscious of maintenance in our lives, yes. you know, like just the down to the little finite things of everyday living and what the day-to-day reality looks like. And then, uh, you know, maintenance in the bigger structures uh, and foundations we are building upon in our life and where those need maintenance. So I guess it's kind of an attentiveness, attentiveness with um, the piggybacking of uh, what Spencer said with having patience and trusting the process. So we can be patient, we can trust the process, but we also have to be conscious about maintaining um, and doing, doing that work along. Like we can't just lay back and be like, well, I'm trusting the process, but I'm not doing anything to... Yeah, you know. Here's one other thing I'll say. Responsibility is mm. the ability to respond. So so Saturn is about responsibility in a lot of modern astrology, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, can you respond to what is being asked of you at that time? There will be times to fight, yes. And there will be times to get, you know, uh, to move forward under passion. But there's also times to to rest. There's also times to... Uh, live to to fight another day too. So I think that's a, something. I'm I'm not saying just sit around and do nothing. You know, just, <laughs> I you doubt gotta, you're saying that. <laughs> like you were saying though, you got to pick your battles and you got to know where the best use of your energy is yes. at that particular time. And if you come up against a brick wall that you're bashing your head against, it doesn't. You're not going to break it with your forehead. You know what I'm saying? And you, you may have to tunnel around it, or you may have to tunnel under it. And that may take a time. So there's always mm. solutions, but uh, you got to know when your energy is being best directed in that right direction that's going to lead to the breakthrough. Yeah, it's very Mars Saturn. You got to know yeah. when to hold them and know when to fold them. <laughs> yeah, very much, a- so. <laughs> very much so. 
Oh, all right. Well, what a lovely forecast. Yeah, <laughs> that could only happen with Capricorn. You know, we had to bring the old Saturn in. Yeah. Saturn daddy had to come in and say his piece. Um, so, yeah. all right. So, Spencer, so where can people find you? What do you got going on? Tell us the details. Yeah. I, so, I have a website, spencermichaud.com, where I have all my astrological forecasts and articles. And I, I, offer readings. So I do fixed star readings, transit readings. It's a good time to get a three or six month transit reading. I do shorter increments so we can really dive into depth. Um, you know, I do natal and all those things. I also have a, a, a weekly forecast on my YouTube channel, Spencer Michaud Astrology. So that would be a great place to, to, to really get this kind of thing weekly. Um, I really do go into a lot of depth in my forecast and try to teach uh, fundamental concepts as well. Um, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter. My Instagram and Twitter is just Spencer Michaud. So you can find me on there and I do uh, regular posts on the fixed stars and the decans. So I, I, I try to teach through social media. I don't, I don't do a lot of like, I think this and I think that. I, I try to like put a, which I don't begrudge you if that's what, the way you choose to do social media. It's just my, the way I engage with it is uh, I'm trying to, to offer education. So um, hopefully I'm a good follow. So follow me on those, those places. He's a good follow. <laughs> like, um, yes. Well, maybe I, I need to share more personal things. You know. do what you want. Yeah. You know, it's all about doing what you enjoy doing. And that's like yeah. the most important part of sharing um, it, yeah. from our unique individual self-expressions as we have different ways of going about it. And, you know, not one is right over the other. It's just what we feel passionate about and find That's joy true. in doing. That is very true. Yeah. To each his own. To each his own. <laughs> um, all right. So where can you find me? You can find me at energeticprinciples.com. And of course, of course, I always do a blog post that with the featured guest of this episode. So you'll be able to contact uh, Spencer through that blog post as well with all his offerings. Um, and I'm on social media, uh, Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. Um, but have you have you heard? Have you heard? Well, you have if you've listened to this podcast the last couple of times, but I will say once again that I am running uh, an Astrology Basics 201 course on prediction, which starts January 13th, just after that dynamic new moon, that Mars-Saturn new moon. I'm like looking at it, I'm like, I chose that date. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But we're going to be doing live uh, Zoom sessions for a six-week course module uh, to learn prediction and forecasting through the natal chart. So we're going to be learning about planetary transits, uh, perfections, the meat of secondary progressions, and most importantly, how to synthesize those things all together. So uh, I'm a very much an experiential teacher. So we will be using uh, live in, you know, in class chart examples of people in class because I want to have people be able to ask questions and then get immediate answers from a living person that can tell you all about some things. So I think it's going to be super fun. Once again, that's going to start January 13th. It's going to run on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific time and 7 p.m. Eastern time, which I think is Thursdays at around 11 a.m. Uh, Sydney time zone if you are in Australia. So to find out more about that, you can go to learningthestars.com or you can find it through energetic principles uh you know social media or um you know my actual websites so and i'm sure there's probably going to be a link in the podcast uh, wherever you're listening to this too so just fyi 
Um, all right. So what am I saying here? Well, you know, if you like what you heard, if you think people need to know about the solstice uh, and this dynamic turning pivot point of this year, at the very end of this year and bringing us into 2021, you know, tell a, good, tell a friend, spread the good word, share this podcast, uh, leave a review wherever you listen to this because it helps, uh, you know, it spread the good word. We, we are in Aquarius zone. So, you know, like tell the community. Tell them all about it. Um, I will also say, if you want to find out more about 2021 in general, next week's program is going to be, I think it's next week. It might be a week after that, before the end of the year, let's just say. Um, we, I am bringing Gray Crawford back to do a 2021 treatment of the full year. So, you know, put that in your pocket for later as we will, and I'm sure that'll be an epic long podcast as it was uh, for 2020. Um, so Gray will be back with me uh, for the next episode there. But that being said, Spencer, so glad to have you back on the podcast. I really, really enjoy chatting with you. Thank you, Mel. It was a pleasure. I always love meeting up with you. This was a lot of fun. Thank you again for having me. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime, anytime. So, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for sticking with us for this uh, marathon of Capricorn. We do hope you enjoy it. Uh, so be safe out there. Have a happy holiday season. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.